diversity of this scale, this complexity, will always have a multiple set of visions depending on who's speaking about the city, what their core interests or aspirations from the city are. Hello and welcome to the season two of Understanding the Future. I am your host Punit Gandhi and Climate Center for Cities is excited to bring to you a podcast about the future of work in the field of climate change, urban development, sustainability and innovation. We will talk to experts working on ground as well as in the talk management of government and non-governmental organizations to better understand how the field looks like in future. This will help us in preparing to enable climate actions as well as gauge the type of skill sets and jobs that would be required in future to solve complex challenges. If you are listening to it for the first time, do tune into season one. Hello and welcome to the season two of Understanding the Future. I'm your host, Punit Gandhi, and today we have two guests with us. We have with us Kanak Tiwari and Nilesh Raja Daksha, Project Coordinator, Master Plan Delhi 2041 at the National Institute of Urban Affairs. They will help us understand the process of developing Master Plan for Delhi 2041. Welcome to the show, Kanak and Nilesh. Hi, Punit. Hi, Punit. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. It's my pleasure to get both of you on board. Uh, so let's start our first question with understanding what is master plan and what are we talking about when we are talking about master plan of any city? I'll, I'll begin. So uh, post-independence, in fact, uh, right, uh, right from British times, uh, there have been town and country planning acts that have governed uh, planning of uh, rural areas as well as cities in the country. The TCPO, which is the central organization, is like an apex organization. And then there are state-level town and country planning uh, units which generally look after planning. So, uh, concurrent with these kind, this kind of an institutional structure, you also have under the Act uh, the provision to prepare uh, statutory plans for cities, uh, which uh, in other words are called the master plans. So master plans generally are in effect the only real statutory document that governs planning and development within cities. And so it would typically cover not just uh, the uses of land, which we typically understand as land use, uh, but it will also tend to cover developmental policies in the sense of what kind of development, where can it come, how much commercial can be developed in an area, uh, so on and so forth. So it, it really is kind of a framework that sets out the rules of the game for development in any given city. Uh, in most cases in India, you will find the big cities tend to develop their own plans and have their own planning units or in some cases development authorities uh, who take care of planning. But for smaller towns uh, across the country, you generally have the state town planning organization, uh, state town planning departments, which are really looking at, uh, looking at developing plans for these cities. Kana, would you like to add? Yeah, so Puneet, I'll just tell you that master plan is just one of the terms used by cities across the world. Uh, some cities call it development plan, other cities call it just the city's name with the word plan after it, like the London plan. And, uh, and it has evolved since the time of its, uh, you know, like, uh, inception. Uh, this whole concept of master planning has evolved a lot. And I'm sure we'll talk about it later. Just to tell you one thing that, uh, these came into being because, uh, originally cities were developing organically. 
and uh, soon when they reached a certain size it became inefficient to move people and and things from one place to the other and people required so many people living in one place required uh, you know facilities to live work play so for all of that a sort of a plan came into being so uh, that is the that is a very short history of how planning for cities came to be we can go on to the next question if you if you have anything else you want to ask about this we can respond to that sure so no i i like the thing that you mentioned that uh, the organic growth can somehow be catered up till a point and then it became inefficient so currently uh, on those like how many cities do in india cater to such kind of planning does every city have it or are a lot of cities trying to develop such kind of plans statutorily speaking all cities need to have master plans that guide their development in india however you will find that a lot of cities have struggled with the planning as a device so you know whether it is to do with capacity constraints or or uh, other issues sometimes political exigencies have not uh, allowed plans to be cleared very easily uh, so you'll also find instances where plans have been developed but they never really came into force because they didn't they were not able to go through the entire process of approvals etc due to all sorts of uh, political and other other reasons so uh, uh, all things uh, said not every city in the country has a master plan as as we uh, uh, speak right now but uh, statutorily they are supposed to uh, under the town planning act every every city is really supposed to have a plan that guides its development okay uh, so coming on those lines towards the next thought is uh, so when we are talking about any master plan what are the different components or what are the initial thoughts that are supposed to be taken into account when we are developing look this is a little bit of a difficult question to answer because what happens is how you approach a plan uh, really varies from cities to uh, cities to city i'll give you an example a, a city that's say just under a lakh in population uh, is not has not uh, traditionally looked at very complex issues it's generally looking at uh, what kind of new land needs to be brought under urbanization how much agricultural land can we bring under urbanization for instance how much housing do we need based on a very uh, broad population calculation etc so uh, you know it's 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 a much kind of smaller domain uh, as an exercise where you are really looking at land and how to parcel that land out for different uses in the city like kanak said the city needs places to live it needs places to play it needs places to work and with smaller cities it's a relatively a simpler conversation around all right so that's my population uh how many people are going to need new houses how many old houses need to be uh, relooked at uh, where are my new work centers going to come up am i focusing on setting industry up in my city so on and so forth so uh, relatively simpler kind of linear conversations that are then put into the plan uh, largely in terms of what they call it a land use map uh, this has been the classic process of master planning across the board anyways what however happens with larger cities is that concerns around uh, regional connectivity for instance or around uh, resources that are really coming from outside into the city both in terms of actual material resources as well as people moving in and in and out of the city because uh, large cities often take on large uh, economic functions whereas not everybody is really staying within the the uh, pure jurisdiction of that city they may be traveling from outside etc 
So the kind of planning questions or the kind of things that the plan then starts looking at as a domain becomes much larger, the envelope expands. Uh, so what does one look at when one is beginning the process of master planning would probably be perhaps very diverse in terms of the actual table of contents of what, what all one needs to do. But surely some basics that every city uh, must undertake is on the one hand, look at land and land resources. What kind of future directions of growth is the city experiencing and therefore what new lands may be brought under urbanization? That's definitely one of the key things that most cities look at. Uh, the second part that cities would look at is, is there some fundamental need in uh, for for redevelopment, for changing of floor area ratios that govern development on a plot, which is also something most cities would look at. The third is it would start looking at uh, intercity transportation, at least in the smaller cities, whereas it would look at all forms of transportation, both regional as well as intercity uh, in the case of big cities. So transportation becomes a big one. And the fourth major one really pillar would really be around uh, social and physical infrastructure. How much water uh, do we need uh, new spaces to kind of for water treatment, for sewage treatment, for solid waste management, etc. Making those space provisions in the plan is really what plans would look at uh, typically. Uh, so most plans you will see uh, actually go through at least these four or five big uh, question areas that they would explore as part of the master planning exercise. You would also find that some of the more progressive plans also look at a more robust geospatial analysis. For instance, if land is to be uh, allotted for urbanization, they would also take up a more uh, a larger uh, analysis of what is understood as land utilization or, you know, uh, whether all lands can be brought into urbanization or whether some lands are really good for agriculture and therefore need to be retained. That kind of work a lot of uh, cities also do. But like I said, uh, particularly when it comes to metropolitan areas. A lot of the fringe areas have already started moving towards the uh, urban uh, urban framework where urban peripheries are really developing. So agriculture has really kind of gone down substantially. So it's really a question of where the city is expanding, what area to bring under urbanization, etc. that most cities grapple with. Really, those are the four or five big ones that I would say. Kanak, if I missed out any and if you would like to plug in. So, so in India, uh, because the master plans are generally prepared by either the development authority, which is a state level organization run by the state and or the TCPO, which is again at state level, but also deals with regions, other regions within the state, while the important cities are dealt by the development authorities. So one important thing is that the state level priorities or even national level priorities, for example, this whole agenda of sustainability. So master plans are also those documents or, or you know, they, they are these powerful documents because they are statutory to actually manifest all of these agendas at national level and state level to ground. Like if a city is is developing, uh, is, is, uh, is going to undergo development in the next 10, 10 years, how will that de- development get shaped by the agendas that are at national and state level, that are national and state level priorities? This is very important here because why is master plan the only instrument to do this is because these priorities need a lot of time. And across the world, you'll see that master plans are documents that are made for uh, anywhere between 10 to 30 years. For the case of, in the case of Delhi, it's 20 years, but 10 to 30 years is that long term period 
for which a master plan stands and and therefore any kind of priority or any kind of development in a particular direction can therefore be assured by the master plan so so that is how you know that is an important thing to think of when a master plan is being prepared for any city at the very beginning yeah just to come in at this this juncture also uh punit what kanak is also pointing out na is is something that we've tried to attempt for example with some of the new generation master plans uh, the bangalore master plan delhi bombay master plan the delhi master plan now uh, where the previous master planning uh, which i was trying to point out to you it was largely focused on very city level agendas of uh, how much land where to develop so on and so forth very very land and development oriented regulation framework was what master plans used to be but over time what has been realized is that given that they are the only statutory documents you know that that embed themselves in the law of the land that they have the ability and like kana pointed out the power and the strength really to also drive agendas that are more strategic in nature and when we say strategic we are saying sustainability uh, we are speaking of economic growth we are speaking of inclusive uh, uh, development so on and so forth so the whole strategic point of view which kana was pointing out is now beginning to Uh, be vested with master plans because of the fact that they happen to be statutory and powerful documents and so if those documents themselves can break out of the mold of being only regulatory and land use planning in nature and become more strategic uh, that's where maybe the the future of master planning really lies and uh, just wanted to kind of point that out no, that sounds that sounds extremely interesting because yes as you're saying that now you can actually drive the uh, national and state agenda as well over here that brings me to the next point and next uh, question also on the line that delhi being the central capital uh, i think holds quite an importance in such a big country so what was the vision for this city that we are looking at at the 20 year horizon and when we started the development of this master plan and what kind of uh, agenda were being thought of while you are developing this uh, master plan so so for the vision punit uh, we we went through a process and i will first read out the vision to you which is which is written in the master plan uh the vision for mpd 2041 is to foster a sustainable livable and vibrant delhi by 2041 and and this vision has three goals which uh, which are you know related to sustainability livability and a vibrant economy so underlying fourth goal of this vision is to become an inclusive city that facilitates access choice and opportunity to all so this is just reading it out but to arrive at this and it seems like when you read it out it seems like okay you know that applies anywhere to any place so which is true i mean yeah. every place should have all of these features that that we are mentioning in this sentence but to arrive at this we went through an an extensive process number one was baselining the city so baseline is something where you can understand where the city is right now and only then would you be able to you know say where it wants to go and what are the directions that it will take so uh, we did an extensive baseline exercise in which all of the uh, stakeholder agencies of delhi were involved there are many many agencies more than 250 agencies were involved in this exercise to arrive at where we are right now and therefore what will our, what will delhi's priorities be 
the second simultaneous exercise was engaging with citizens and other stakeholders like uh, civil society groups professional bodies and uh, uh, re uh, resident welfare associations traders and market association industries all of these groups as well as citizens as as individuals uh, we engaged with them an extensive engagement process despite the covid uh, 19 pandemic and you know from both of these exercises the interesting and wonderful thing was that uh, both happening simultaneously arrived at the same thing you know uh, one could look at visions that were given by people that were shared by people most of them were talking about a greener city most of them were talking about a healthier city many of them talked about how can economic opportunities be improved in delhi many of them were talking about how gender inclusive uh, how how the city can be safe for safer for women how can it be better for children so you know all of these when they came together we arrived at this vision which otherwise if read separately seems like a very normal sentence which would apply to any place and these this this exercise was an eye opener for all of us that it's it's not only planners that are thinking of this everybody in the city actually wants a city like So, uh, Nilesh, you would like to add to this? Yeah, no, uh, you've pretty much captured it. Just you know, uh, on the question of vision, Puneet, uh, I think it's important to also let you in on some of our initial discussions around visioning for the city. And we realized that you know, if you look, picked up smart city plans or you picked up any of the plans, they have very strongly stated visions. And we were wondering whether you know we should have a vision that, for instance, says uh, Delhi will be the knowledge capital of the world. in the next 20 years whether delhi will be something delhi will be uh, something else so what we realized through this entire process that kanak just described is that i don't we 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 realized that the vision for a city cannot be encapsulated in something so pointed a city of this scale this complexity will always have a multiple set of visions depending on who's speaking about the city what their core interests or aspirations from the city are and so to encapsulate that uh we realize that you would have to come up with a much simpler set of terms which may appear generic yes they are generic like kanak said but the the detail would the delhi specific detail will really lie in the nuanced development controls in the nuanced policy set that backs this vision up so yes we would like to go uh, sustainable we would like to become more livable and we would we would like to become a more vibrant kind of economy and uh, a culture cultural place Uh, sure every city would like to do that but the path to these would be quintessentially specific to delhi uh, if you if you get what i'm the, the gist of what i'm saying so while the vision appears fairly generic we realize that a very pointed vision for a complex city like delhi would not be feasible so let's have a generic vision but what really builds up towards the vision what really makes that vision possible are very very customized delhi based solutions in fact the baseline you know puri the baseline was done for various sectors like environment economy uh, housing different sectors are covered in the baseline so the baseline did not only did not only just lead to the vision it, we also did a swot analysis which is a strength weakness opportunity threat analysis for every sector so in fact the delhi specific priorities as nilesh mentioned is what you know makes the vision special later on for every word mentioned in the vision what is that special policy what will be those special strategies and and development controls that will now guide the development in the city 
is is you know how we uh, envisage no i think that's absolutely important as well because those nuances are where and how the growth should also be taken into account again they will hamper and they will make sure that the trajectory of growth is at a better rate so based on the delhi specific nuances what were some of the strategic complexities that you figured out while baselining different agencies as well as engaging with communities on ground a fairly long list of things actually but uh, if if one was to really you know off the cuff speak of a few for instance delhi is a, a tremendously water scarce city as we as we at this present moment so making delhi water secure for instance became an absolutely critical agenda which has shaped all of the developmental policies of the city it has shaped the way the uh, the norms governing buildings have been structured it has it has shaped the way uh, how much far are we allowing in certain areas it has shaped almost everything every aspect of spatial policy making of of this master plan for instance has been shaped by this very strong solid agenda of moving making delhi water secure just assuming that no further water from external supplies may actually come to delhi if that's if that's a that's a scenario one can work with then what what really would be the development footprint that that delhi can aspire to and uh, without really losing out on the economic opportunities without losing out on growth potential how can delhi manage that but uh, continue to be high on its water conservation uh, principles etc and and really manage water well uh, so water security became something that was of crit- critical importance the second thing that we realized is that it's perhaps one of the few cities uh, in the country that has an abundance of both natural as well as cultural heritage uh, it uh, we we compared uh, its heritage for example to other cities and we realized that it it completely outscores any city in the country in terms of the sheer number of monuments old areas heritage precincts and so on and so forth a fantastic array of historic elements that the city has both tangible as well as intangible and on the other hand uh, when we speak of natural assets as well it has a river it has uh, what used to be traditionally rivulets that fed the river which are today so called ganga nalas of the uh, of the city it has a lot of forest area within the city itself not many cities can really boast of this a large part of the city is actually forest areas so really leveraging both this both this available natural and and cultural heritage became again something that was very very specific and again something that really strongly shaped most of the most of the policies of the city third we realized is that and and this came out of a lot of the citizen engagement is that you know there is there the plan was often seen as something that the citizens couldn't engage with very easily very very complex uh structured document and not very easy to read so that became also again one of the agendas for the plan of somehow structurally as well as in our writing simplifying it such that the there is a clarity of where the plan is moving and therefore what are the numbers or what are the brass tacks in terms of development controls that back up that movement so that clarity we've tried our best not sure uh, the jury is out of course on on whether we really managed to achieve that but the attempt has been to try and simplify the plan to the extent possible where citizens can really constantly engage with it and shape development on the ground the fourth big thing i think was and this was this probably is universally true across cities in the world is that citizens came up with a strong urge to participate constantly not just in the plan making process but to be a part of 
you know, local level planning and so on and so forth. So we've tried to uh, embed that logic of area level planning of kind of citizens being involved, stakeholders like traders, associations, businesses, academia being involved at the ground level to shape how the policy actually manifests on the ground. So that became something that was, uh, again, a very strong agenda for Delhi. I, I'll, I'll come up with more. Kanak, uh, any that you can think of that really shaped yeah. the plan? So, yeah. so a little different from what you said, because when uh, Puneet said complexity, the first thing that came to mind is uh, the governance, yeah. you know, this whole governance structure that our master plan sits amidst. So mo- many listeners would probably be aware that uh, Delhi is not only a city w- for which a plan is being made, it's also a state with a chief minister. It's also a union territory governed by a lieutenant governor. And it's being the national capital, large parts of Delhi are also under the direct control of the central government. So this is unlike any other master plan that would be made for any city in India. And it's in this governance, in this complex governance structure that the master plan was developed. Within this are these agencies that work work for these different uh, governments, the central, the state, and then the ULBs. In Delhi, there are a number of ULBs also, urban local bodies. So just to give you an example, sometimes dealing with all of these agencies that are actually undertaking development in Delhi and also uh, maintaining and running Delhi. Just to take an example of transport. In the transport sector, only in the transport sector, there are 21 agencies dealing with transport in Delhi. So to get them all, and this is this is a conservative number I'm mentioning because I don't uh, uh, remember the exact one. So imagine just getting so many agencies on board to talk about transport in Delhi. And similarly with every sector. So this is one major complexity because, you know, each and every agency has its own objectives and visions for the city for every sector. And to bring them all under one umbrella because this master also understanding that the master plan can actually bring all of them together, converge all of these objectives to a, to a vision for the city uh, was one thing that was a complex thing to uh, negotiate. The other complexity which Nilesh has already started talking about was related to participation. We did try and embed uh, some ideas related to local planning, but you know this is a this is a thing you you probably know that in participation, uh, if you're if you're un- undertaking participatory planning, sometimes individual issues or individual problems are very big for the individual who's sharing them. But at uh, when we you know zoom out to the master plan level, it it is very difficult to take take that unless there is a critical mass of people talking about the same problem. So you know, a person saying that mere ghar ke samne ki nali, or you know the drain in front of my house is blocked uh, doesn't translate to the master plan level automatically. It has to be taken in that uh, you know some sort of critical mass, or it has to be. There has to be extensive survey to see whether a lot of uh, drains in Delhi are facing the same problem. That is how this, you know, to, to just put these two together to converge these was also a complexity that we negotiated. And the third one is an age-old complexity of environment development. Nilesh has already spoken about that, but environment versus development is something, or people versus development is something that we have tried to and I think we have managed to 
figure out how the master plan can deal with how development can be environment friendly so you know this is this is something we have managed to do uh, i hope and uh, of course the jury is still out as nilesh said but these are the complexities that we dealt with while preparing the yeah and you know uh, if you if uh, i guess down the line in this conversation we will be talking about the implementation framework i i completely agree with kanak uh, is that i think our implementation framework also to a large extent really embodies this particular governance complexity of it where there can probably be no linear way of thinking about how the plan will get implemented but one would have to create a really a hyper coordinated network of people and agencies working under some kind of umbrella structures to make really the plan happen uh, really it's it's going to be a very complex implementation process we try to really give it an enabling structure within which uh, all of this nuanced you know planning as well as implementation at various scales right from your mohalla all the way to city level decisions special projects large mega projects so on and so forth will really play out but all under some framework that that uh, is linked to the vision of the plan and the objectives of the plan is something that the plans really are taking that that sounds quite uh, interesting and intriguing as well because how and this is this is what i also actually enjoy about urban development in general is the amount of complexity that need to be catered to to develop anything and whatever decision is taken at one point will always be somewhere uh, affect the other decision in a positive or a negative manner uh, so coming and we will come back to the implementation framework again at a bit later part of our conversation uh, before that what is something uh, what are the major things that came out in the master plan for it and so what are the major focus areas that came out as a result of the whole activity that was taken into account so um, let me just uh, take you through the structure of the master plan so for the first time uh, what we've done is we've talked about larger policies which stem from the vision what are those areas that the master plan any kind of development within the city of delhi will focus on and and these are environment public spaces and heritage and culture economy uh, shelter shelter and social infrastructure physical infrastructure and disaster management and mobility and transport so these are the six policy areas in which what is delhi planning to do in the next 20 years what is the vision what are the objectives what what do we want to achieve in each of these sectors is is covered in volume 1 along with the vision and in volume 2 is the volume uh, the second volume talks all about how this development will happen on ground so while some development will happen on the outer fringes of delhi now delhi is completely marked there's a boundary marked for delhi many cities in india still do not know till what what uh, area do, uh, will they spread and municipalities keep acquiring land and getting new land under the master plan but delhi's final boundary is fixed now as a state so the the outer area of delhi's are now coming under greenfield development that is development will happen for the first time uh, on erstwhile agricultural land and other areas in delhi uh, delhi as you know is a very old city also and even planned delhi is now an now an old city and uh, a lot of buildings are dis- dilapidated many areas are are in a in a bad state and regeneration is is what is required in most of these developed areas 
So basically, two kinds of development are proposed in the master plan. One is regeneration of inner city areas and developed city areas, and the other is new development in the in the vacant land on the periphery of Delhi. So this is how the master plan is structured, and this is how development will take place. Now, for each of these greenfield development, new development, or, or regeneration, each of these policies sort of plugs into this that if you're uh, regenerating an area, what will be the kind of housing that you'll give stems from the policy on shelter. How will you make sure that environment, it's environmentally sensitive, will stem from the policy of environment? So this is how the two volumes have been uh, structured and this is how development will be guided in Delhi. Nilesh? Yeah, so just to add a little bit of to what Kanak was saying and then, then take off a little bit as well. So, you know, if you if you recall, to begin with, we were trying to point out the difference between earlier master plans, which were largely regulatory and land use based, to moving to a more strategic and a kind of an enabling framework. That's really been the big effort uh, for us as part of this master plan. And if you really see volume one of this master plan, it's the strategic element of the plan, which is, uh, like Kanak said, in the six big areas uh, from environment all the way to mobility and disaster, etc. What's the strategy really? Uh, that the city is proposing to uh, work with over the next 20 years is what is laid out in, in volume 1. Whereas volume 2 really is presenting the the uh, the mechanics of this uh, strategy in the sense of what are the rules of the game, what are the numbers, how much FAR, what kind of development will go where, uh, so on and so forth, you know, really. So it it is really the mechanics that would help these strategies come about or or get implemented is what volume 2 represents. So that's really a parak that this master plan brings in and you will not find many master plans that do this. This master plan is probably uh, unique in that sense in India. It's it's a first of its kind experiment where there is clearly a strategy piece in the master plan and then there is the mechanics of that strategy really that's separated out. So that was one just to add to what Kanak was saying. Uh, a few new things that the plan also therefore tried to do as part of this was uh, really de-link I'm not sure, so sure uh, users are familiar with terms like uh, FAR, etc., floor area ratios. But to simplify it, it's simply a kind of a ratio that determines on a plot of land how much development or built area can I can I really develop on any given plot of land. This varies, of course, by land use uh, across cities. What we've tried to do in this plan is this starts varying also with what we want to do with particular areas. For example, so Delhi wants to now start moving. Uh, towards transit-oriented development where people and jobs uh, and uh, play areas and recreation and culture all are kind of beginning to... So the trips that you make, one a person tends to make in the city for work or for play or for other things, if one can minimize private vehicular transport, uh, that's really been one of the strong agendas of this plan. And so transit-oriented development policy of uh, really kind of tries to build out this entire intense FAR being allowed in along the uh, mass transit corridors. As against this, you will realize that the fringes of the city, uh, which is the last villages uh, of the city really, uh, there the plan proposes something like uh, called the green development uh, area, where the FAR is much, much lower and people have to really look at, you know, other kinds of uses which can allow them to gain maximum profits out of their land so land profits are not really linked to how much development you can do on it, but the kind of development that is permitted. So, for example, these areas 
uh, have low FAR but large greens. So they could look at the resorts, they could look at urban farming, they could look at uh, theme farming, they could look at uh, entertainment spaces. So those kind of activities are really being proposed in the uh, peripheral areas of the city. So just give you a sense that moving from what used to be a very flattened land use based FAR, that residential agar hai, this is how much FAR you'll get. If you're a commercial land use, this is how much FAR you'll get. All of this logic of how much FAR you can get on a site has now been linked really to the kind of area or characteristic that the plan wants that particular area to have. So there is this entire strategy of spatial uh, development that the plan proposes. Number Second, what the plan really does is that it starts really uh, saying that let us not have just pan-city proposals for development, but have very focused strategic areas that are identified as part of the uh, plan process, which can allow, uh, you know, economic hubs to come up, cultural hubs to come up, uh, mixed-use areas to uh, really, really blossom. And again, around around transit, a lot of these areas have been identified. So a lot of strategic idea, uh, areas have been identified as part of the plan, which also allow, uh, you know, uh, creating priority projects, creating... Uh, demonstration projects and so on and so forth. So that's the second thing that the plan does. The third is the big realization that because a large part of Delhi is already developed, uh, we'll have to move from largely a land-based allocation of facilities to a build-based allocation where because the, uh, the, the areas are already developed but the population is still increasing, pristine new lands cannot be identified where these facilities can be developed. So the plan now starts saying that facilities commerce can share build space within the same plot and move to a more mixed kind of development as, as, as part of this plan. The fourth big thing that the plan also uh, did was become really a facilitating instrument where the role of the state in providing, which we've known is, is prone to delays and all sorts of problems. So really move from that to a more private driven or a citizen driven development where you move all the way from walkability being planned by citizens at the ground level, all the way to entire sectors in the land pooling policy being designed and planned by by through private enterprise and private finance. Uh, so that kind of an entire uh, spectrum of private sector development is being encouraged through the plan. And lastly, which again is a big uh, difference you will find between this plan and most other plans across the country is this whole uh, outcome focus is that the idea was to say that can the plan be measured through pure inputs? For example, how many hospitals did we build or how many sewage treatment plants did we construct during the plan period? Or should we measure it through the outcomes in terms of how much pollution did we really reduce? What is the water quality that's available in the Yamuna today? What's the air quality that we are breathing? So, you know, really moving it to a KPI-based framework is something that the plan uh, does very strongly. So really, these are there are these four or five big uh, ticket changes that the plan brought in, in addition to the full structural change that Kanak really focused on, uh, that, that the plan brings to the table. So, Paneet, I think if, if the listeners uh, are like you, uh, not really from the field of planning, architecture or urban design, uh, I if, if you want, I can illustrate, like, for example, in the first, after the vision, there are these policies that I talked about. And in the first section, which is on environment, there is a, uh, there are these, you know, what, what can you say, objectives. So, for example, in environment, one of the objectives is to increase the net area under 
natural green blue assets now for this one would look at or or for for example another objective is to increase the the area under planned green spaces so this is being done or this is being delivered through different projects in the city now whether when you look at the spectrum of projects or a spectrum of development that nilesh was talking about whether it is an intense development like a transit oriented development where a lot of volume of people and 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 built development will come or it is the green development area which is sparse sparse development in terms of construction but a lot of green areas through each of these through the entire uh, spectrum of development these two objectives will be delivered that there will be more natural uh, greens and blues and there will be more planned greens and blues so that the overall ob- objective of increasing the net area under green in delhi is achieved through the development this is how it happens for each of the policies whether it's related to social infrastructure or it's related to housing that uh, it was realized in the baseline so so that thread like uh, of the previous master plan 2021 master plan or even before that a lot of people uh, were critical about the fact that the vision seems as a separate statement and does not flow through the entire process of development like how is that vision manifest in the development was not clear in the previous plan we have tried to do that of course we also have 20 years to see how how this happens but what we tried to do is through these objectives flowing into each of the projects that will now come up in delhi this vision can be therefore achieved is is uh, has been our uh, effort this this sounds quite exciting and well thought through process as well on the lines that okay there are a uh, certain strategy of how things need to be taken forward uh, policies to be developed as well as how implementation will take place now some of the things that we are also like someone like me comes from a climate background and uh, energy background so concentrating on that fact as of now because that is one of the key areas in or sustainability in general is one of the key areas that everyone is trying to focus on either to make sure that uh, the cities can be developed in the most efficient manner and they re- utilize the least amount of natural resources so what are and you have already discussed like how transit oriented development is being thought of uh, how your urban fringes will have more of green area so w- are there any other specific projects that have been thought of specifically on those lines uh, to cover the environment sustainability perspectives so uh, in so this has been detailed out in the environmental po- uh, the policy on environment so uh, in order to increase areas under natural greens uh, there is a policy of preserving the greens but also of enhancing them in delhi there is this um, uh, there is a variety of tree called vilayati kikar and there are other flora and fauna that are not uh, really um, what can we say that are really invasive and are harmful to the indigenous species uh, of delhi of this region so uh, uh, apart from protecting natural greens and natural water bodies there is also a policy to enhance them by introducing reintroducing and replacing uh, these invasive species 
and reintroducing the indigenous species. In this, an uh, another uh, you know uh, uh, aspect of care is that uh, the master plan also proposes to use trees and plants that use less water because as we as we talked about this before that uh, Delhi is a water scarce city already. So uh, less water, more hardy indigenous species are being promoted. Uh, the third policy re uh, related to natural greens and blues is to enhance their, uh, you know, enhance the citizen-nature connect. How can citizens interact with nature more without uh, actually harming harming uh, these pristine green areas in Delhi? In fact, Delhi is one of the few cities in the world that has urban forests within the city limits. So, so this is one thing. Delhi is a river city. It's it's a thing to be proud of. A river city where the river has not been channelized. A river city where the natural flood plain is there. So how can uh, the people's connect with these uh, natural uh, assets be enhanced is also something that the master plan focuses on. So while this deals with the natural assets, there are immense amount of uh, planned assets in the city, like planned greens in, in the form of parks uh, of all scales. Uh, from tot lots to, uh, you know, city level parks, huge parks, and also, uh, you know, water bodies that have been uh, uh, made by, you know, that have been constructed water bodies. So uh, for this, the policies focus on enhancing, uh, uh, increasing the amount, increasing the volume uh, and the area under such greens. And secondly, again, making them very user friendly so that people can uh, people can have access to these and also make them inclusive. That is, you know, parks, just in the name of parks, won't help unless we have parks where children can go and play, where the elderly can uh, uh, move around with safety. We've also, the master plan also proposes for, uh, proposes all abilities parks because there were a lot of, you know, in our interaction with people, we understood that a lot of children cannot go out and play because of uh, you know, them having some special needs. So the master plan this time also uh, says that all abilities parks should come about as, as part of the planned uh, parks in Delhi. So in this, what we are also doing is that sites that are otherwise redundant, that is quarries uh, or landfills that are being reclaimed or even ash dikes that are... Uh, so in Delhi, the thermal power plants uh, have closed down. So the ash dikes and other areas in these thermal power plants are now being uh, reclaimed as green spaces, as designed green spaces. So this will, uh, in future, increase the area under greens, make Delhi greener. One other aspect which I'll uh, also want to mention here is that while Delhi is one of the greenest uh, metropolitan cities in, in Asia, as has been said by many newspapers and all, it really doesn't have that uh, good a distribution of greens. So parts of East Delhi, in fact, have lowest uh, per capita greens, whereas parts of Central Delhi have highest per capita greens in the world. So, you know, this kind of uh, dichotomy within the city is also something that the master plan uh, proposes to uh, get rid of, that every place should get. So projects in East Delhi should be able to get more greens as public outcomes from, uh, uh, as uh, you know, as uh, more green spaces out of projects in East Delhi are uh, are being proposed by the master plan. So that's 
so these are the these are the various policies by which you know green blue infrastructure in the city as we named it as we've named it in the master plan is going to get enhanced so you know several small other things that that were done for instance so one big realization like kanak said is that there's such an abundance of green and blue in the city natural uh, as well as man made so uh, a lot of abundance of that but uh, it was important to kind of plug gaps etc what we also realized is that for biodiversity to really flourish one would require a green blue continuum a network of greens to really happen and built areas which often become uh, you know neutralize they neutralize the entire green blue continuum to some extent can they again start participating in the green blue uh, network is something that we also attempted to do so for example all buildings uh, all new projects in the city whether they are brownfield regeneration projects or their greenfield projects uh, will have to meet a certain green blue factor as part of the approval process uh, where uh, you know the green blue factor would be measured out of how much plantation are you planning as part of your site do you have green roofs do you have green walls uh, do you plan to have a water body within the site recharge pits so on and so forth so there is an entire green blue factor calculation that is now a mandatory part of all projects the second thing uh, for example is all development that will come along the uh, nalas of the city the drains of natural drains of the city uh, you would have to have a buffer as part of a mandatory requirement because right now delhi's drains don't have any buffer uh, kept next to them so uh, a mandatory requirement to have a buffer that's dedicated for the drain the fact that you can't put your back and just your services to the drain and need to have a active frontage to the drain actually become you know keep make the drain rather than turning your backside to the drain really make it a part of the development uh, that kind of a logic third was this whole thing that kanak was talking about is the whole uh, inequity of distribution of of uh, open spaces so every regeneration project every unauthorized colony that will get regenerated as part of the development will necessarily have to give some space back in terms of parks public areas uh, and of course meet the green blue factor as part of the approval process so a lot of the built density can be brought down and one can have creation of smaller uh, new open spaces that kind of string together to form this green blue network and lastly uh, because sustainability again is a much wider spectrum of things uh, if you just look at the infrastructure story that's being scripted through the master plan all new developments are going to be uh, will have to have 100% recycling of their green waste within the site itself uh they will have to completely recycle their uh, grey water to to repurpose it for for non potable purposes they would have to have a certain amount of energy solar energy generation on site uh, also retain as much flood water within the site as as possible so that that water is kind of really percolates into the ground and is not just uh, you know that it doesn't just flood away so a lot of so called infrastructure sustainability has also been packaged as part of the uh, approval process of projects so really all the way from planning large greens protecting forests uh, across the city to really looking at sensitive built environment development is something that the plan uh, does in total to really tackle the whole environment aspect uh, of this of this in fact uh, just uh, meet that for the first time uh, this particular document has a dedicated chapter on uh, pollution also so which which of course just sort of tightens 
this uh, you know uh, the rules or regulations that already exist in india related to reduction of pollution and so all of that is just tightened and reinforced by that chapter and in the context of delhi how delhi is also one of the most polluted cities in the world in terms of air pollution how can that also be uh, tackled and and water pollution the yamuna and the drains how can that be tackled is also part of the environment section as a separate chapter besides this circular economy as a concept has been promoted by the master plan in a big way uh, in the solid waste management chapter where for the first time the plan talks about and this is these are things that are globally being discussed now uh, the master plan talks about a repair economy it talks about a reuse economy like how can uh, industries like recycling be encouraged any kind of polluting industries in the city have been completely uh, what to say banned uh, by the master plan it was they were banned by the previous master plan also but here also the master plan is focusing uh, more on promoting industries that are cleaner that are greener so uh, by cleaner we mean more like it cyber tech and all of that and by greener we mean industries related to recycling or industries related to production of stuff within uh, delhi itself like using uh, people producing stuff at home you know that whole concept of made in india and all and uh, greener also means food production within delhi like uh, urban farming for the first time delhi master plan has brought in uh, agriculture as as an activity within city limits otherwise generally it was like development slash agri- you know development and agriculture so agricultural land came under development but this time the master plan does talk about urban agriculture where food production food security all of these are terms that are mentioned however some of these are still things that will evolve over time and the master plan with its you know the implementation process also mentions how the master plan can take a u turn is a flexible document take a u turn reevaluate recalibrate and you know go back to the public again depending on how change how you know what kind of changes happens and happen in needs uh, of people aspirations of people the the kind of importance delhi uh, acquires uh, regional importance global importance that kind of flexibility is there in the master plan to accommodate all of this and and rethink and or reinforce all of these ideas that have been put in but are not completely like i wouldn't say that they are completely detailed out how this will happen is not completely detailed out but the these ideas are there now wow this is this is quite a lot of good information uh, for sure because this this makes it interesting because uh, so while we are also developing csr we are also promoting how these things can be picked up by cities most of the things that you have already mentioned and something like this if comes out as a statutory uh, document i'm sure can help cities in a much better way thank you for listening to part 1 of this episode next week we'll come up with the part 2 and continue our conversations here's a sneak peek for the same because once yes plan is developed and it is a 20 year long plan what are we think uh, what is being thought about over here to make sure how will the implementation go forward what how, what all things will be monitored how will they be monitored what is the feedback loop we are talking about 
So how those things are taken into account for the MPD? You have been listening to Understanding the Future podcast. To know more about Climate Center for Cities, check out our website www.niua.org slash c-q The show is conceptualized, produced and edited by Punit Gandhi, Senior Associate at CQ. You can now subscribe to our podcast on your favorite channel, which can be accessed through the credits. Also, don't forget to follow us on our social media for more updates. Do share your reviews with us and help us spread the podcast to your friends and colleagues. Do write to us if you would be interested in learning about any specific topics. Thank you and stay tuned for our next episode.